morning, everybody. All right, that's pretty decent. That's pretty decent. I'll take that one. All right, well, it's so good to see you guys here with us. Um, we're rolling in, getting ready to go into our Christmas season. I see some green on. I see some red on. That's awesome. I don't see any burgundy and gold. I don't know what happened there. Come on, guys. <laughs> it's so good to see everybody here. Um, and welcome to Center Point Church, Ken Allen. Um, I'm so glad to have you with us. We're starting a new series, a new uh, theme here, and we're calling it uh, Christmas at the Movies. And so for the next couple of weeks, we're going to be looking at several movies and kind of doing a comparison and kind of exploring the scriptures and kind of using that movie to kind of give us some insight on that. So welcome to Christmas at the Movies. We've got our red carpet owl going on right here. Uh, we have our headline, our, our movie displaying for today that we're talking about. And so we're so glad to have you guys with us. Um, again, connection cards, fill that out. Uh, each, uh, each Sunday this month, we're going to kind of be giving away a little Christmas present to you guys and let you know how much we love you. So make sure you fill out your connection card. If you have a prayer request, uh, any kind of thoughts, want to join the ministry, more, 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 ah, give more questions, kind of update your information, fill out that connection card, and we're going to do a drawing right after service. Amen? All right, well, let's get ready to get started. I want you guys to turn your Bibles or your apps or whatever you have to the book of Luke, the fourth chapter. And uh, even though we've prayed, I'm going to pray again for us real quick. The book of Luke, the fourth chapter, um, and while you're flipping there, I'm going to pray. Uh, dear God, thank you for, again, your grace, your mercy, uh, your love, your kindness. Father, we ask that you would speak to us, that you would give us insight, that you would give us wisdom, that we would uh, submit to your ways. We would find truth and peace and strength in your holy name. Father, grant us this time and this moment. Open up our ears to receive your truth and walk out your ways. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're going to be reading from Luke chapter 14. I ask that you guys will please stand with us as we honor God's word in reading it. Luke 4, starting at verse 14. Then Jesus returned to Galilee, filled with the Holy Spirit's power. Reports about him spread quickly through the whole region. He taught regularly in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. When he came to the village of Nazareth, his, boy, his boyhood home, he went, as usual, to the synagogue on the Sabbath and stood up and read the scriptures. The scroll of Isaiah the prophet was handed to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Amen. You guys may be seated. <clears throat> if you're not familiar with um, one of the greatest Christmas movies of all time, um, that would totally be this wonderful movie entitled Die Hard. It is, without a shadow of a doubt, one of the greatest Christmas movies, and perhaps it's definitely my top three. And if you're not a fan of that, you need to realize that this whole story of Die Hard takes place on Christmas, on the Christmas uh, time period. And so again, it's one of the greatest Christmas stories that man has ever told. Um, the filming, the cinematography, the action, the excitement, the love, is the picture of Christ in every sense. Some people are shaking their head like, no, it's not. Yes, it is. And so if you're not familiar with the story Die Hard, I'll kind of give you some background information. Um, Lieutenant John McClain is going to see his wife. He's a New York police officer, and his wife is in Los Angeles. She's taking a job over there, and they find themselves with 
3,000 miles of separation between them. He goes there to kind of rekindle, reconnect with her. He goes over there to spend time with her while she's at her holiday office party. When he goes in there, he's got a limousine, he's got the car hooked up, he's trying to do big things to get that wife back. And in the middle of him trying to do big things to get that wife back, these terrorists come in and they capture the building. Do you remember the name of the building? Does anybody remember the name? Bam, that's my wife, Nakatomi Plaza. They capture Nakatomi Plaza and they're in there and their whole purpose is to grab these most valuable paperwork that they can get and they're gonna have all these millions of dollars but in doing so, they hold the people at the party hostage and John McClain, a police officer, is there and he has one mission and he has one goal and that is to save his bride. His goal is to save his bride no matter what happens. And the movie is called Die Hard because while he's trying to save his bride, there are things that are constantly trying to kill him and get in the way. I want to talk to you guys a little bit from this idea or this movie that we're dealing with at Christmas at the movies entitled Die Hard. Jesus walks into the synagogue and he says, listen, I want to share with you guys some scripture. And so he opens up the scripture and he starts to read from Isaiah and he goes into this passage of scripture and he begins to explain to everyone there that I am the one that is going to survive those that are trying to kill me because I am here to rescue you. And he goes through this, co this comparison of scripture and he says, listen, I want to share with you four things of what I'm going to do and I want to show you how I'm going to fight for you, how I'm going to rescue you, how I'm going to love on you, how I'm going to try and deliver you from all of the dramas of this world because I love you tremendously. And he opens up the text and he begins with the first point that we're going to stir with today. He brings good news. Watch verse 18. The spirit of the Lord is upon me for he has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. This word poor doesn't mean like I'm broke, I'm strapped for money, I got $2 in my account, I got to make it to next Thursday. It's not that kind of poor. This kind of poor means that I am brokenhearted. It means that I am out of, of, of my, my necessity to love. I am out of the ability to move forward. I am empty. I have nothing left within me. He says that these people are broken. He says, these people that I'm facing are spiritually broken. He says, these people that I'm facing are spiritually bankrupt. He says, they have no more energy, no more excitement, no more love, no more passion. And he says that I'm coming to bring this good news that they would have hope again, that they would have life again, that they would have joy again. It says that Jesus, our John McClain of today says, listen, I recognize that we have people that are trapped in situations and they feel hopeless and they feel like they have no way to get out. And I am here to start bringing hope. All of us have been crippled by moments where we have experienced heartbreaking situations that leave us feeling what? Empty and bankrupt. My father in the eighth grade found a girl that he just thought he was going to marry. He was in love with her. And he went up to her and he started talking, I guess, that good game that they talked way back in the day. Girl, you're so fine, your eyes, whatever, whatever they said. You big afro, hey, sweet thing, I don't know what he said, but whatever his language was. And she looked at him, and she said, you, and, 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 and these words were, basically, you are too dark-skinned for me to date. And it crushed him, and it broke him, and from that moment, he decided, I can't change my color, but I can change my appearance. He became the best-dressed guy, the best-groomed guy. His hair was brushed, his clothes were... He took a moment 
that broke him and he built his whole personification around it. Some of us are broken and we're trying to live through that moment that has been a defining moment in our lives. He took that moment of hurt and pain and he has built his whole lifestyle around trying to be this person because he felt empty and broken at a moment and all the dressing up, all the good looks, all the good smells, all the good grooming to mask this brokenness that he felt from a moment that took place back in eighth grade. And the truth be told that a lot of us have broken moments in our life and we try our very best to mask it. We try our very best to build up this place where we feel hopeless or feel empty or feel weak. And Jesus says, regardless of all that building, all of that work, all of that fine toolage, all of that great things that you do, all of that education, all of that money, all of that time, all that relationship, all of that, all that that you do. He says, it's not going to fulfill your brokenness. But he says, I have come to what? Bring good news. I have come to bring hope to the places where you feel hopeless. I have come to fill you up where places you feel empty. I have come to give you stuff that you need that no other thing can fix, help, or heal. I am the one. He says, I'm the John McClain of your situation when it feels hopeless. There's a scene when the men are, all these terrorists are getting shot up and killed, and John McClain's wife says, only one person can frustrate that many people. That's my husband. There's only one God that can step in in the middle of all of this frustration, all of this hurt, all of this pain, and then say, listen, I'm here to encourage you and uplift you. Even when you feel helpless, I can give you something that's more valuable than what you have considered valued to your situation. He says, I bring good news. Not only does Jesus, our John McClain of today, bring good news, but he also says this in point number two. He proclaims the captives released. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released. John McClain steps in in this building, the Nakatomi building plaza, and he says, listen, he says, you guys have all of these people hostage, and I'm not going to let you keep them hostage. I'm here to set them what? Free. And I'll take each and every one of you out if I have to. And Jesus says to you and I that I am here to proclaim that you are free. I know that you feel hopeless. I know that you feel broken. I know there's areas you've tried to mask and tried to hide up. And he says, out of all of that masking, all of that hiding, all of that dressing, he says, I'm here to set you free from what you have considered yourself to be in that point all of your life. In other words, imagine my father in the eighth grade that heard devastating words that made his whole personification, his whole life, his whole dress, his whole mentality based off of this negative moment. Imagine if the Lord could start to chisel away all of that negativity, chisel away those 30 or 40 years of someone talking about you negatively, chisel away so God was able to set him free to experience you are beautifully and wonderfully made no matter what you look like. No matter how you dress, no matter how your situation is, no matter how your past is, I'm here to set you free from those things that you thought were the things that defined you. What if you said, I'm the God that defines you. I'm the God that sets you free. I'm the God that gets you loose. I'm the God that lets you experience true and total life. It's quiet today, man. He says, I'm here to set you free. And what I find so funny about this when you really think about it, 
when you really start to sit down and picture this situation that we're talking about, this story that we're talking about, John McClain is all he's trying to do is set what? The people free. And in him trying to set people free, there's all this stuff that's coming against him. It's all this stuff trying to kill him from setting people free. Why? Because the things that are keeping us tied down, keeping us locked up, don't want freedom to come our way. And so they will push us. They will press us. Situations will get tougher. Finances will get harder. We'll lose this. We'll lose that. We'll get talked about. All of this stuff happens to keep us from knowing and experiencing hope and freedom. Man, it's good today. Watch this. This is my favorite part right here. Watch this point number three. Uh, it says this. It says, he proclaims the blind will see. Go ahead. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has sent me to proclaim the captives will be released and that the blind will see. So we were riding over the bridge today, right? So the scripture, let me, let me back up for a second. The scripture says that, that he comes not only to, to give us good news, not only to set us free, but that the blind would, would see. You guys with me? The blind will see. The blind will see. The blind. So we, so, so the, let me back up. I'm so excited. Let me back up. The blind will see. This word blind, it doesn't mean like literally you can't see. It means smoke. Smoke. It means that there's so much stuff in your way, it's hard to see. So we're coming over the bridge this morning. They came over the bridge too. <laughs> so I came over the bridge this morning, and, and we're running, we're running late. It was a late night, and we had to, we had all the stuff to do. And so it was a late night, and I, I'm getting up late, and 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 hey, how you doing, buddy? Give me some real quick. Bam, that's my alarm setter. He sets the alarm, and he gets everybody going, and they hear the toilet drop, and they know he's working and he's busy, and everybody's getting dressed. And I came in the room at 8:15 to see my man who's dressed is fast asleep underneath them covers. <laughs> Like there's a mattress and a box spring, he somehow got himself under the box spring. Like he's like, I'm not going anywhere today. I'm asleep. I said, dude, we got 15 minutes. So we're late. We're late. We're 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 driving briskly over the bridge, <laughs> over the bridge. And and so he's in his phone. He looks up and he says, How long is this tunnel? And I look at him like, Are you? You've been off all weekend. What do you mean, how long is this tunnel? We're on the bridge. And he says, oh, that's right. And then what happened was there's so much fog that something that looked like it used to look now looks so cloudy that it doesn't look like it's supposed to look anymore. And so even though he knew we were going to the same place we've been a billion times, it looked like a tunnel because there was so much fog he couldn't get it. And God says to you and I, there are certain situations in our life where, guess what? This tunnel is not tunnel. It's the same normal path, but life has gotten so what? Cloudy that it doesn't look like it ought to look like. And it's confusing and, and it's disturbing. And I, can't, I know my marriage is supposed to look a certain way, but this doesn't look like the marriage that I saw on TV. This is not, mm -mm. This is not how life, this is not looking like life should look. I look at this bank account. It's the same check for the last two years, but this time it doesn't look right. 
I'm looking at life and I'm viewing it. For some reason, it looks cloudy. It doesn't look clear. It looks all kind of distorted. And what's going on is that there's this fog that happens in life. It's called drama. It's called problems. It's called sin. It's called frustration. All of this fog comes up and clears us from seeing everywhere we ought to go. And Jesus says, I'm here to get that fog out your way. I'm here to open up your eyesight that you would see again, that you would hope again, that you'd believe again, that you'd dream again. I'm here to get all of that stuff out of your way so that you can see clearly again. It's John McClain's wife that says, there's only one man that can frustrate that many people. It's my husband, John McClain. And she starts to get this smile on her face in the worst moment of her life. Come on, y'all. Like, like, walk with me for a second. I'm so in the movie and in the text. It's crazy, right? So she's right. She's saying she's smiling while there's terrorists with guns all around her. At any moment, she could be the next one that's getting killed. But she sits there and smiles because there's only one person that can save me and cause me peace in the middle of all of my craziness. It's the Jesus, the Christ that proclaims, I'm coming to get the smoke out of your eyes so that you can see clearly, that you can have hope again, so that you can dream again, so that you can believe again. He says in point four, he proclaims the oppressed will be free. The spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be set free that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free. He says that I'm going to bring you hope in areas where you feel broken and empty and hopeless. He says that I'm going to set you free from all of this drama and stress that you're feeling. He says I'm going to wipe away all of this smoke that's in your eyes, all of this stuff that's keeping you from seeing clearly true vision, life purpose. He says and then I'm going to set you free from this oppression. What oppression? Can you imagine way back in 1980-something, the Nakatomi Plaza, you have everybody surrounded, there's guns all around you, you've seen your boss murdered before, you guys gotta watch the movie, come on, stick with me. You've seen your, you've seen your boss murdered, your life is being threatened, and there's just this heavy weight of intense pressure. There are people huddled up on the floor. There are people crying in this building. There are people that are hurt and frustrated. They are weighted down by life. And this situation is the most serious situation in their life. And Jesus says, regardless of how heavy your weight may feel, I'm coming to get you free from that oppression, that weight, that struggle, that hardship. I'm here to give you what? Freedom. And he says, listen, I get that life is horrible and life sucks and life has terrible moments and I'm sorry that you feel that way, but as much as you feel this weight, I'm here to set you free. As much as you've been struggling, I'm here to give you deliverance. As much as it's been hard to see what the next step is or the next move or the next plan or the next thing that God has for you, he says, I recognize your struggle, but I'm here to set you free. I'm here to save your day. 
that's the God of the universe that we serve. That he speaks to us time and time and time again. It's funny because John McClain came for his wife, his bride. And Jesus says that we are his bride. That he is married to us. And there's no heaven or hell or anything in between that's going to stop the God of the universe from coming to get his bride. To get his bride. They may try to assassinate the character of Christ. They may talk about him. They may disgrace him. They may say he didn't do all the things that they've claimed that he did. They may say he's not uh, historically accurately correct. They may say all the things they try to do to assassinate the savior of the universe, but still, guess what? He's coming. He was given to us so that he could come rescue us from every hurt, every pain, every thought, every doubt, every low point, every low moment, every depression, every sickness, every hurt, everything. He says, I'm here to save you regardless of the situation, and they can fire at me as much as they want. They can say I'm not real. They can say I'm some philosophy. They can call me some prophet, but not the savior. They can call me whatever they want to call me. They can assassinate me time and time again. There can be men and women of God's church that have fallen time and time again who are the representation of Christ, but didn't represent him right. But still he comes calling. Because no matter how much they try to assassinate me, I will not die. And even when they nailed him to the cross, and he went to sleep for three days, and death thought they had him, He still said, you can't kill me. And he came out of the grave. And he said, I will not die because my life and my love and my joy is too great to be held down forever. How many times did they think they got rid of John McClain? (laughs) He won't die. Probably after Dar Hire 5, he should have (laughs) died. But he won't die. Because the God of the universe says no matter how many shots they take at me, no matter how much grandma talks about that theology, no matter how much your coworker rolls their eye, he cannot die. Because he has one mission, and that's to save his bride no matter what. And you and I are the Lord's bride. And he'll fight through your thoughts. He'll fight through your addictions. He'll fight through your struggles. He'll fight through your hopelessness. He'll fight through the family and the friends that don't love you like they ought to. He'll fight through your deepest and darkest I don't like me moments to let you know that I love you, that I'm here for you. And if you don't get anything else from this message, the takeaway is simply that Jesus has come to save us. Jesus has come to save us. The Lord of the universe has come to save you. Save you from your thoughts, from your feelings, from your marriage, from your kids, from your supervisor, from your coworker, from your car problems, eating disorder to your depression, from your mental illness, from your struggle, 
from your porn, from your drugs, from your liquor, from your shopping addiction. How much list, how much time do I have? That the God of the universe is here to save you over and over and over again and pull us free time and time again. Because Jesus has come to save us. And he cannot die because his truth will never fail. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would be with your people. You would walk with us and show us your truth. That we would surrender and submit to your way. Lord, open up our ears and our eyes and our hearts to receive you. Let us walk faithfully in the calling that you're giving us to surrender to you, Father. Lord, let us remember in these darkest moments that you are here to save us. That you are here to deliver us and set us free. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to say this before the band uh, plays. When we were coming over that bridge, Zeph saw a tunnel. And I was flying. <laughs> we were late and I was flying. And I had no worries except for a brake light that I might pop up in the, in the fog. I was confident that at the end of this road, it would clear up again. And so regardless of how much there was this fog and there was this frustration, my confidence was that there was still road and that it would get clear at the end. For some of us need to understand that being able to see God and experience God and to know God is when things are at his darkest hour, he has still laid the road in front of us. If he's still giving us energy and strength and grace to make it, we're making it to something. Don't let the fog cause you to pull over. Don't let the tough situations of sight blind you from moving forward. Sometimes it's called blind faith for a reason. That that fog will clear up and you'll make it where? To the other side. Amen. <laughs>